Welcome to this Barks podcast brought to you by the Pet Professional Guild. The Pet Professional Guild is a membership organization that represents you, a pet industry professional who is committed to results-based, science-based, ethical training in pet care. Pet guardians, do you need help with your pet? PPG has professionals across the world on standby to help you and your four-legged family member so you're in the right place. To learn more about PPG, visit www.petprofessionalguild.com. Let's start with this week's podcast. Living life large. I know. We're just talking about living life large, and here we are. We are now live on Facebook. So this is Nikki Tiger PPG, and I have both the wagons here today. So hello. Yeah, we're on each other's sitting on each other's laps to get in the stream. I think we're going to be fighting over the camera as we move forward. So how are you guys? Doing well, thank you. Really, really well. It's, you know, it's Chamber of Commerce Day here in Murphy, North Carolina, the western tip of North Carolina. And truly, the grass is green, the birds are singing, the squirrels are feeding at the feeder just outside the window. It couldn't be better. Yeah, well, we were talking just before, weren't we, about how gorgeous the weather is this time of year. It's the dog weather. The dogs just absolutely love it. Are you at you altitude or are you? Yeah, we're about 1,700 feet, so not terribly. That's really high for Florida. My God, that's yeah. <laughs> we're in the we're in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So okay. Yeah, we don't have an elevation, and where our property sits, uh, we're in a hollow. Here yeah. in these parts, we call it a right. holler. Right. Um, so uh-huh. we're kind of in a bowl area, and everything rises around us. Yeah, we could drive two miles and be at three thousand feet. So. Right. When you used that word, then it reminded me of Justified. Have you seen Justified? Did you watch the no. Justified with Timothy? Oh, Timothy Oliphant's brilliant. But yeah, it's it's in Kentucky, and they always talk about the hollers, where all the um, what's the uh, what's the drink that they make? The, moonshine. Uh, yes, yes. There you go. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There's moonshine made in these parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I've never had a drop. <laughs> Brad's like, very tasty. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> oh my God, we're on track. Where is it? This is you know, like it is pure liquid. <laughs> It's water, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I better stop or I might end up in jail like our detainee, you know, detainees are in our dog program. Oh, my God. You know, actually, it's funny. Um, it's, it, I was really pleased when you, when you said you wanted to come on for a couple of reasons. But about a month ago, we actually got a letter from a detainee in um, California who wants to be a PPG member when he leaves because he's been learning about training dogs. And I actually thought about you guys when I read it. So um, I have to write back. How exciting. That's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, We've had detainees go on to have um, either part-time or full-time jobs in dog-related industries. And it's it's a tearful, joyful, tearful, wonderful moment for us when we hear about that. Yeah. Well, I'm actually going to do a shout-out to Jean Donaldson, actually, while we're here, because he mentioned her in his letter and said that he'd written to the academy and they'd written back to him and he was really delighted because very few other people that he'd written to had actually reached out to him, which I thought was quite sad because obviously he wants to, you know, better himself and he wants to prepare himself for when he leaves and he, he left it, he gave a list of all the books he's been reading and, and just, yeah, just wonderful. I mean, and I know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going down this road because I know that the program that you work with is as much about the recuperation of um, the actual detainees not it's not just about training the dogs it's about doing both isn't it yeah it is it, it is really both is. it's it's so 
reinforcing to us when we see the guys begin to change because it is about change. You know, the, the dogs are coming from rescues and shelters. And so we see the dogs start to learn some skills, but also we see the, the men start to learn some right. skills. Um, right. You know, the dog training is a, a big part. That's mm -hmm. obviously the catalyst of the program, but the guys go through a bunch of other classes yeah. as part of this program. You know, it's funny, you, you mentioned the, the Donaldson Academy um, and that zinged me back to, oh, it was before either 2008 or pre-2008. Um, it was either I or Brad and I at an APDT conference mm -hmm. and Virginia Brotwell was doing a prison program somewhere in Virginia and did a presentation on a dog jail program. Mm -hmm. And there was footage in there of a young man who'd been in the program who then went on to work at PetSmart or Petco, one of the big box stores. And my heart just swelled. You know, it, it yeah. made me so happy because I have a history. My father was in, he was a pioneer in, in prisoner rehabilitation in the 60s right. and 70s. Right. And so focused on using positive reinforcement yeah. to help uh, the people in yeah. the population in maximum security prisons yeah. rehabilitate. So, you know, a long time ago, I had a desire to to mm -hmm. do this. And wow, yeah. has it ever been nine years of, of joy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd be really interested to hear about your experience because in 2008, nine, the Smith set up a, a prison program with Bethany Jordan, who was one of our dogsmiths at the time in Washington County in Florida. And I was invited to go for the graduation of the first um, wave. And, and it was really, and I'm sure we can talk about this later, but it was actually very, it was a very strange environment because first and foremost, you're going into a prison. And we were, I was, we were going into a state prison that had a um, high security wing to it. Um, and we weren't allowed to take cameras. We weren't allowed to take anything in with us. And, and I, and on the spot, they asked me to stand up and say a few words. And I'm, I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to say. But I, but the, when the prisoners came up to collect their certificates, probably, there was only nine of them, I think, but probably six or seven of them were actually tearing up. And, and I realized at that point that this wasn't a boondoggle for them. This was really important to them. And they had, and they'd learned so much about themselves going through the program. Um, I mean, and again, there were rescue dogs and some of them were coming up these little fluffy rescue dogs. And it just, it was just, it was just, it was so moving to see what they've been able to achieve and how it impacted them individually. It was, it was we have a new, we have a new program. We've been on hiatus for a few months. We start back later this month. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. But um, we do a program every 12 weeks and every graduation is as emotional as the very first graduation. Yeah. And I, 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 I would like to see more dog trainers get involved in these, but I don't, with that said, I don't think it's for everybody because it is a very strange environment to go into. And um, we were, and I'm not, again, I mean, I'm not sure what your experience was, but the, the, the prison wing we were in, they were all dormitories, not cells. So the dogs were in crates in a really large dormitory and the, the dog trainers, handlers had quite a lot of flack from the other inmates who weren't participating in the program. And just going into these environments, you have to be, um, you have to be quite confident about what you're doing 
because you know you are in a very unknown unusual situation you can't take baths of treat and I'm sure again I'd love to hear your insight but we couldn't even take treats and things in I mean we were so restricted we couldn't take documents in for them we couldn't give them access to computers and, and files and videos it yeah every, every every facility will be different in that yeah. respect yeah. so you have to navigate those those challenges yeah. so where we where we do our program is the Caldwell Probation Detention Center it's just across the line in Georgia and it's a probation detention center so it's not like prison well yeah. it is like prison there's a lot of razor yeah. wire there's fences yeah. bars and doors locks yeah um so many of the people have been in and out of prison most of their life a lot of them and you know this is and that step and that's either coming back or going yeah that, that very sentence there is a problem with the prison system isn't and, it? yeah it's yeah. a revolving yeah. door for so yeah. many but the, yeah. the cool thing about the rescued program and programs like it is yeah. that the recidivism rate drops dramatically if, right. if people go through the course. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned dormitories and the facility we work in. Yes, there are 60 man dormitories, except for the people in the dog program. Right. We only have 12 detainees at one time in the program, but they've got their own dorm. Okay. Now, it's uh, less than a thousand square feet with 12 men and up to eight dogs in that mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they nope. can see the other yeah. dorms, the other dorms can see yeah. them, but they don't have to live yeah. Yeah. directly. Yeah. But we started with six dogs and six men in a space that was slightly bigger than a closet. Right. So, yeah, um, because the first year was so successful, right. they tripled the space yeah. and increased the Okay, and let, let's stop there and go all the way back to the beginning. So how, how did this first get started? What's the story behind this? So, so the ba the backstory <clears throat> was again. I was you know thought about my dad as I sat mm -hmm. in that uh, APDT conference mm -hmm. in two thousand and something, mm -hmm. and then in no before that in two thousand and four I was driving to my second Pat Miller Professional Dog Training Academy and I drove by a prison, right? And I understood learning theory then. And I thought about my dad. It's like, oh, my God, this is exactly what my dad was doing. Yeah. You know, he my, he was probably in classes with Skinner. You mean he had a, he had a Ph.D. in psychology. Yeah. Um, and I, at that moment, I thought, I, I want to be in a, I want to have a dog training prison program one day. Yeah. And then Brad and I, when Brad got involved in the business, we talked about trying to do something locally here with our county jail. It right. just wasn't conducive. So it was an intention in my heart yeah. and a desire for Brad too. And then wow. one day out of the blue, I got a call, picked up the old fashioned phone. That was the one I and, saw before we started. And um, the, the then partner, soon to be partner for the rescue program, who's going to be providing dogs said, we need a dog trainer. Are you, would you be interested? And it was really hard at that moment not to say, heck yes. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to know a little bit more about what they were doing. We had a conversation. I said, we're in on one condition. It has to be fully positive reinforcement training. Mm -hmm. And then they had a person who was involved with a vet mm -hmm. who wanted to help us. Mm -hmm. But this person I knew used diversive techniques and wasn't a trainer. And so there was a little bit of information exchange relative to the learning behind the need to have people who had sound learning theory nice. knowledge and applying that with both 
dogs and humans. And aside from the fact that... It's a bit of a dichotomy, isn't it? Because you're going in there saying it should be positive reinforcement only. to a system that does not apply that internally or doesn't operationalize that, doesn't function based on that. So... It's, it's interesting how you can shape behavior, not only in dogs, but in correctional officers as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've been, we've been pretty successful with a couple of uh, correctional officers, helping them understand yeah. uh, behavior change. But, you know, our selling point was a lot of these guys are here because they have used force mm -hmm. and fear and intimidation yeah. in their lives. And that's yeah. ended them up here. And we don't need to promote that type of behavior directed towards dogs. We need to right. teach them how to change behavior in others with a more uh, thoughtful manner. Yeah. And so they're, they were fully on board and, and happy to uh, go that direction. Is, is all of this volunteer time or are you, uh, do you have grants or funding or? It's, it's yeah. all 100% volunteer time. Right. And as I started to mention earlier, I'll just quickly, uh, I mentioned that the guys are involved in other classes other than there's the mm -hmm. weekly dog training class. There's a groomer who goes once a week and teaches them grooming skills. There's a problem solving through spirituality program. Uh, right. There's a, a yeah. company called Georgia Best, and it's sort of a soft skills, mm -hmm. uh, job hunting yeah. uh, skills yeah. that they're taught. Uh, uh, WorkSource is another organization. There's a money management class that they have to attend, right. anger <laughs> management classes. And this is just for the just for the detainees that are in the dog program. Yeah. So, so it's badly, it's it really everything. is everything. It really is everything, isn't it? There's, it it should be everything that's taught in high school. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a local veterinarian who does comes in and does a presentation on uh, basic animal care. Mm -hmm. There are addiction advisors because most of these people are right. there because of substance abuse mm -hmm. of some sort. And then there's yeah. a the big keyword code word for the i don't know i guess it's, i don't have a better name for it for the group is integrity um there's a gentleman there is is a correctional officer uh, officer philip carter who uh teaches that and he's one of the finest gentlemen i've ever met but in the and, car and carries a clicker on his on belt his duty belt right. in the beginning he was a lock him up and throw him away throw away the key kind of guy yeah yeah and he has changed dramatically because of uh, his experience with the program. program. Yeah, well, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was in the very first round where there was a, a man in the program who he hated. I mean, he just really didn't like this detainee who worked in, a, in another area. And the man made it into the program mm -hmm. and Officer Carter was not happy. Not happy. And toward the end of the program, or somewhere midway in the program, mm -hmm. this detainee was sitting out in the, the yard where, where we train and that is only for the dogs of the detainees. And he was sitting under this, out under this beautiful tree with his dog in his lap. With, and uh, Officer Carter was behind him, and this <clears throat> detainee was just sobbing, <clears throat> holding on to his dog. Right. And... Officer Carter realized that this detainee was changing mm -hmm. right before his eyes. And so that was the oh, catalyst. Every time I see you, we end up in tears. I do, I know. <laughs> well, Every time you, we're all crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see people popping in. Hey, hey guys, thank you. Dilnez and Angelica, who I know. I don't know Paul and Scott, but thank you for being here make, making comments. So it is uh, about 
changing, well, their tagline is changing detainees and dogs one life at a time. Um, and it's been such a, you know, we've done volunteer work here and there. I've yeah. never personally not done a lot of volunteering yeah. in my life until this started nine years ago. Very rewarding, isn't it? And it is. It's a. It's the best thing. People yeah. keep the the detainees, you know, are very thankful, mm -hmm. and they say, "Well, why do you keep doing this?" Now you could be out working today, making money, and I said, "This, you know, I get more out of this than you do, probably." Yeah, people. I, I, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, I am. Um, I mean, obviously, I do quite a lot of volunteering with PPG and Dog on Safe, and a lot of people sort of say, "Well, make that comment," but ultimately, you do it because it gives you. I mean, we, you know, we all benefit from it internally. We benefit from the volunteer work. Um, you know, I mean, it, oh, clearly, it just it satisfies some need of ours. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's. You know, it's the same joy that dog trainers get, professional dog trainers get, especially, you know, those of, who are in attendance here at PPG. When yeah. you see a dog begin to learn yeah. and and the light go off in the dog's eyes when yeah. they start to get it. And then the same thing happens with the person Yeah, to see that happen in a person who's never had anything nice said to them in their entire life, mm -hmm. who who nobody ever encouraged them to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the beginning of a metamorphosis, yeah. if you will, of Absolutely. the change of that person. Yeah. And the, you know, it's inevitable. There's going to be one guy in each group at some point says, you know, I can use these, this type of teaching and training with my kids. Can't I? Yeah. yeah. And I thought, yeah, winner. You, know, you got it. Absolutely. So what's your goal with this? Because you're clearly both really passionate about it and you wanted to come on and talk about it. Do you have you got goals to sort of um brand this and make it more available or you know um no, but I'd like right. to I'd like to encourage people and motivate other trainers to seek out ways to become right. involved yeah. and share their knowledge of learning theory mm -hmm. with institutions such well, as prisons or, yeah. or jails yeah. so that not only the, the people in the program, the dogs in the program change mm -hmm. and begin thinking differently, but also those who work in the facility start to see things differently. And there are going to be some people who yeah. don't. There are clearly some people in our, in the facility we're in that aren't totally with the program, right. you know, I would imagine that at least 90 to 95% of them are now, and they were not in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And, and if, you know, we may not recognize it, but I believe that, you know, one little act of kindness starts mm -hmm. to reverberate through mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. And so if we can, if we can share that kindness, share our knowledge, mm -hmm. share our love of what we do, um, and help other people learn and grow and rehabilitate, then the world's just a better place. And, and, and I just want to, let's recap that just as a general statement, because there's just so much vitriol, isn't there, right now? And there's so much partisanship across what, doesn't matter what it is. I mean, dog training, politics, you name it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I think as, as social beings, I think we have an obligation to share this, well, we, we don't have an obligation. We, it's mandatory. We have to share this planet with other beings. So for God's sake, let's at least be respectful and polite and kind. I mean, it doesn't matter 
what your opinions are, it, that shouldn't detract from just being pleasant to people. Um, and I think the prison systems, I mean, the prison systems, are, it's, an, it's its own sort of organism, isn't it, in terms of how it functions. And once you get behind those fences, it's an entire miniature city. And the fact that you can implement a program into a, an organization that has such archaic business culture, which it does, I mean, the entire prison system does, and see those changes within a few months, I mean, that gives me great faith that if there's more people out there doing that kind of work, we could get ripples everywhere. Without a doubt. And the Georgia Department of Corrections um, has, I wish I knew the number, um, they have a number of rehabilitative programs like this one. But there's but dog training, there's or, a horse rescue or, or auto mechanics or, mm -hmm. you know, it's not all, yeah. doesn't all involve yeah. dogs, but they tend, as I understand it, the, Georgia really is a leader in progressive rehabilitation for, for detainees and prisoners. Yeah. And so we've been, we, our program, Ms. Diane Hassett, who was the, the person behind the inception of had the idea mm -hmm. for the facility, um, she's been contacted many times relative uh, to how they got started by other yeah. systems yeah. here in the, the United States. And we've spoken, we spoke twice at the American Correctional Association. Yeah. And that was awesome to be able to yeah. share, yeah. you know, the program result. Not only does yeah. it help the people, but there is a huge multi-million dollar savings of our program because detainees are out as productive citizens right? and our tax dollars are yeah. no longer supporting them. Yeah. So there's monetary savings wow. to the state. And let's not forget the benefit of the dogs. I mean, the prison program I was involved in, every single dog had a home waiting for it by week two or three. I mean, at, gra at graduation, there were people waiting in the parking lot to pick up their pets and take them home. And I, I would say yeah. in, in our program, because it is a detention center, the sentences are pretty short, their time there. Sometimes they have to leave there and go back to other facilities, just depending on their, their sentence. But I would say 50% probably of the detainees themselves adopt the dogs. Right. If their release date is close yeah. to the end of and the program. And they have a stable home and they're able to yeah. provide the right yeah. type of care, yeah. you know, for the dog. They adopt the dogs themselves often. So is, is it a Georgia state prison or is it a county prison or is it, it's not federal, is it? It's a part it's, of the Georgia Department of Corrections. Okay. It's a so it's state. Okay. It's a probation yeah. detention yeah. center, so. Yeah. Do you know? Well, well it's, 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 Nikki, it's considered a medium security facility, okay. not a maximum security okay. facility. And was, um, how far, I'm, what I'm trying to establish here, um, Sally Saxton, who's one of our dogs, she, her and I were talking a few weeks ago because she's now involved in a prison program in Florida. Um, and I, I think I mentioned your names actually and said, I don't know if she reached out to you or said to reach out to you. A lot of people reach out to us and we're happy to speak with anybody to, yeah. to share information. Right. But I, I, was wondering, I was wondering in Georgia how, um, how strategic the decision was. Did it come from the governor or executive branch or was it just a, was it a it, local it, decision? For our program, it came from the- Superintendent of the facility. The superintendent of the okay. facility whose, whose right. friend was in rescue and they were started talking about it. So the superintendent of the facility took it up the chain, if you will, through whatever levels through the Department of Corrections to get approval to to do that. Right. Um, and I'm sure every state, every county uh, is has their own yeah. set of rules and 
what have you but Sally, uh, sally's just commented actually hi sally uh i don't know if you commented a writer. yeah so sally's uh, sally you should reach out to the wagons they'd be delighted to help you um she said she, i've become the trainer for our local state prison and um, absolutely i'm sure they'd be happy to oh absolutely sally yeah. please yeah you know it's it's <coughs> you know we're just very fortunate that the superintendent of this, of this facility miss diane hassett who's just an amazing woman and friend of ours and has won many awards for being the superintendent of the year i mean she's right. just she's a great manager if you will yeah. she she just championed the project through yeah. and it took a very long time it took her a couple of years a couple of years yeah. and so we were lucky we were, came in on the back end right. and just ready right. plug and play we're ready you know yeah. We, yeah. we use our our um, in essence um a family manners program mm -hmm. because the men are only there for 12 weeks right Right. So, so in the we, program, in the program. Yeah. so we yeah. use the basic manners or family manners curriculum mm -hmm. um, that most of us use, you know, some impulse control, yeah. some tricks, yeah. some, so we throw in some nose work and some agility. Anything that'll help make the dogs more adoptable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So Sally, um, Sally's already in there, which is great because I know the hardest, I'm not, you know, I'm, I was just thinking back yesterday because I was planning for this. And I don't even remember how we had the dog smith, how we got into the Washington, um, it was a state prison. I don't even know how we got into it. I think somebody in the prison approached Bethany, who was the dog smith in the local area. And I think it was relatively easy because I think the senior people at the prison had already pretty much decided it was something they wanted to do. So they were just looking logistically to find somebody who would come in for free and do it for them. Yeah, we we spoke with a veterinarian in Florida recently. Was she in Florida? Uh, she was in Valdosta, Georgia, yeah. right at the Georgia line. Right. The facility might have been in Georgia, yeah. uh, Florida. It anyway, was. Um, was. she's yeah. trying to champion a, a, a jail dog program in a facility near her. And, you know, she's budding, yeah. budding yeah. heads coming up against brick walls. It takes it takes a whole lot of shaping skills <laughs> to be able to and and education. Yeah. And what's going to make a difference to the the state or county, whatever, what's going to make a difference to the facility is going to be less about rehabilitation of the people yeah. and probably more about saving money. Oh, absolutely. But then they'll start to see the benefit absolutely. of the... What's in it for them, absolutely. I'm just wondering if it wouldn't be beneficial to develop a sort of short PowerPoint presentation that could be used by dog trainers going into prisons to say, hey, this is what we can do. This is how you benefit, how the prisoners benefit, how the dogs benefit. Because I think a lot of dog trainers have got the know-how in terms of once if they, to get, if they were to get in there, how to implement the program. But that whole sales process at the front end requires a whole different set of skills because you've got to know how to navigate, who to talk to, how to present. And it's different right. in every single right. state, you know, county, right. state. And it's going to boil down to the uh, superintendent, warden, whomever, right. any individual yeah. or sheriff, whoever's in charge of a particular yeah. facility. And that's the first nut that needs to get turned and then you know the wheels have to go up obviously up the chain through the whole department and yeah there's so much legal stuff that has to be uh, boxes that have to be ticked and checked yeah, um, all kinds of stuff yeah yeah and we yeah. have to do a, volun a, a volunteer orientation every year that's about a three or four hour 
thing that all volunteers, the right. chaplains and everybody who volunteers has to go through this training program for, you from the state. Did you have and to certainly and certainly background checks to make sure that, you're yeah, that, that was my next yeah, question. Yeah, you have to have a, have yeah. a background. Yeah, because I'm just going to ask you. If you well, have you to. know, we were young before the Internet, so yeah. we're fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Rick and I had to go through background checks just to go in and meet with them, and which obviously wasn't a concern. But yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you have to wear emergency buzzers while you're in there in case there's a problem? We don't, but there's always a correctional officer present. Um, you know, I've I've never felt safer, really, and I've, I never felt unsafe. I never had any hesitations. However, you know, I grew up with a father who was a chief psychologist in maximum security prisons and went to went to work family, with dad. family days and you know yeah, used yeah. to going into well, it's sort of a home away from home for you then lisa yeah, yeah. I mean, he was at marion marion was built to replace alcatraz so that's where he yeah. worked in you know when i was in junior high and high school and it was weird the first few times you went and you heard the doors ching behind you you know i tell you um, what i found what i found quite eerie was when we went and um, the second time they gave us a tour and we were walking around one of the exercise yards and they have armed guards on the on the prison. That for me was very eerie. Being in an, being in this massive yard and looking up and all you can see is the razor wire and and guards looking down on you. That was sort of a bit well, it's you know. a lot of it's... you have you habituate to it pretty quickly. Uh, well, <laughs> Bethany, who was our dog's trainer, who was about four feet seven in height and just petite tiny woman. She was in there almost every day. She loved it. She was high-fiving guards, going in there, doing the training. She absolutely loved it because for her, it was an expedited way. She did a lot of work with rescue dogs. So it was great for her because it was a fabulous output for the dogs that were coming into a county shelter that had a really high kill rate because of its location. So It's important, you know, for anyone who wants, who's thinking about starting a program, <laughs> it's important to have a good line of sight relative to... Uh, a shelter or rescue group that you can yeah. partner with who can provi consistently provide dogs of the right temperament. Yeah. I mean, it's not a behavior mod program. Yeah. We're, we're not, we're not working with dogs mm -hmm. with serious behavior issues. We technically want the shelter's best dogs. Because it's a chaotic environment inside yeah. a prison. Yeah. Dogs have to be able to cope. But yet, we've, I mean, we have some fearful dogs and dogs that aren't comfortable and who come out of their shell in the 12 weeks and gain so much confidence. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it takes it takes the right dog to be able to make it in the program. And there have been a few times where it's it's not the best environment for a dog and it's better that they go back to the shelter. It, they're early on we would go and look at the dogs and choose the dogs from the shelter and that changed after uh one incident in particular where we passed on a dog mm -hmm. but the organized the rescue organization's head person said no i want this dog in there and put the dog in and then you know there's a, a situation that said well yeah that was going to happen and so <laughs> Then we just said, no, we'll step back. You pick the dogs, but you know what we're looking for and, and let them make that decision. Now we're working with a different shelter and a different rescue and it's been great. So Angelica, you asked yeah. research. Let me, Lisa, let me ask that question. Okay, so, go ahead. Because I've got a bit of a spin on this. Um, I did a lot of research two years ago on violence towards animals from humans and in particular, violence towards animals by 
by professional pet people. And I read a lot of research and I read a great book by Favre, who is one of the leading um, writers on animal cruelty. And in his book, and I'm, I'm, I need to go back and pull this out because it's just made, and I'm wondering if you've heard about this because Angelica is saying research shows that people use violence towards animals, but actually I don't, from everything I've read, that isn't actually what research shows. That's a bit of a cultural myth that people that use violence towards animals. So, know. yeah, so I don't, yeah, so I, I don't know, I don't know what the okay. research bears out, but okay. I'll tell you that our, the detainees in our program have to go through an extensive interview process. Right. And before they're, before they're allowed mm -hmm. to submit their, um, application. application and write, they write, I'm, I've just lost the word. Essay. They write an essay on why they want to be in the program. Before they get to that point, we do, um, they do, the facility yeah. does rule out anyone with uh, violent crimes, mm -hmm. violence to animals, or violence yeah. to children. children. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, yeah. Violent, violent I mean, crimes in general. I mean, it's basically, from my experience, it was basically used as a reward system for people that had been in there, had for great performance, who were behaving themselves. When the dog program came available, those individuals were allowed to apply for it. But anyone that had had any sort of infractions of, you know, behavior was automatically ruled out. Was that the same in the prison that you know, I, I would say that there could be some, you know, they may not be model detainees mm -hmm. inside, but they they will they will not have any of the violent crime right. issues. So however because the people in our program believe that that behave their behavior can change. We've yeah. seen it happen. Yes. They, there are pretty stout rules, however, once in the program, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. the detainees have to go, you know, there's a lot of stuff they have to do. And if somebody's not pulling their weight, if they're yeah. not, you know, if they're not picking up after their dog, if they're not yeah. showing up yeah. at the right place at the right time, they're out of the program. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to answer a question. Um, the how did detainees react to R plus techniques? Yeah. It's very was, surprising. Yeah. They, yeah. they have said to us, I've never had anybody tell me I did anything well. Mm -hmm. um, they they don't know how to accept compliments mm -hmm. or reinforcement themselves. Yeah, um, it's it's well, quite interesting. And many of them, like all of our normal dog training clients, come to us maybe with some previous having worked with a trainer in the past that used uh, old fashioned techniques, and so you no. Know, a lot of these guys, well, I've, I've trained three dogs myself, so I know how to yeah. do this. And I'm yeah. saying, well, no, well, let's put that aside for a little bit. And let's try doing it this way. Yeah. yeah. And you, just like our normal clients, sometimes you do have to do a little convincing and you know, help them and understand shaping. the way that we're going yeah. to go forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And once they, again, like our clients, once they see the change in the dog, they change too. Yeah. I, I always say to people, you don't have to convince somebody that our methods are right. You just have to demo them. The demonstration speaks for itself. Because if somebody's already stuck in a position, you, it doesn't matter how much you try and educate them. You're just going to force them into their into their corner. But if you, I mean, I would say to a client, look, I accept everything you're saying. Let me just show you. You have a go. And then we can come back and rediscuss it. And generally speaking, by the first 10 minutes, they're like, wow you know, this, this stuff really, really works. No, when it's really fun to go ahead. Obviously. I was just going to say when, you know, at the end of the program, when someone asks, you know, what was the biggest thing you, what was your biggest takeaway from this? What asked the detainee that, what was, what did you learn most? And I'd say three quarters of them say patience. Yeah. 
Yeah. And because we're working now with a dog who's not judging them as mm -hmm. they've always probably been judged, yes. um, they start to respect the dog a little bit and they begin to learn to work as a team. And that ties all back into this integrity class that they take. They learn to work with each other yeah, um, and to trust a little bit. Many of these people don't have trust issues right. because they've lived a different style of life than we're accustomed right. to. I just I want to go back and just revisit the selection of dogs because Sally has mentioned here, and I'm I'm aware of the situation. I have a behavior case in the jail right now. Great dog. This dog is um I think, I mean I'm not hundred percent sure, but a little bit OCD about light flashes, what you know, yeah. stuff. So um one of the things that we noticed is that some of the dogs that we were absolutely convinced would be great in the shelter environment were not, and it was actually the opposite because it is it's a very difficult environment to do any sort of antecedent control isn't it because <laughs> because of the living situation i mean you've got dogs living in one room you've got them in crates um so and, the, and there's no time no time for appropriate crate training <laughs> right right so you, you, it's not you know like kathy said always says we don't actually change behavior most of what we do is change environment and that and then elicits or evokes different behavior but in a prison, the, the detainees don't have the ability to do that. They don't have the freedom and the empowerment to be able to start orchestrating environmental changes to the setup and the layout and everything else. So um, some dogs just are not suitable, just are not suitable. Like some dogs are not suitable for homes with children. Some dogs are not suitable to go into these sort of dorm environments with crates. So, and, so, and, know, some, and some trainers wouldn't be suitable to enjoy right. you know, a dog training program right. in a facility. Yes. Right. You know, the, the, Right. Inside the facility, it's not the, the quiet, calm areas that dogs, yeah. you know, coming from a yeah. shelter would move into someone's home. You know, yeah. there's loud noises. There yeah. is yeah. some shouting and yelling going on it from but, time to time. But but think about this. I mean, you could have possibly a dog with separation anxiety that goes to a prison program and nobody even knows until it goes to its home. Oh, it's happened. Absolutely. Because the entire yeah. time that dog is in that prison, it is surrounded by people and and an activity yeah so um and if you've got dogs that have very little impulse control or they're very reactive a prison environment's not going to be a good environment for them either so there's been several times where like two weeks into the program we'll swap a dog out it'll yeah. go back to the yeah. shelter and we'll pull another dog in just because it was yeah. the detainee can't be successful if is have, having that challenge. We Before the dogs even arrive at our program, we do two, um, one or two hour presentations. This depends on <clears throat> the number of questions and, you know, how in-depth we go, which is usually always too much. We don't want to make their eyes glaze over, but there's only so much time to impart information, but we do a dog body language presentation. So they at least have some information about reading dog body language before they receive their dogs. Right. We talk about how to introduce the dogs into the yard and into the, the facility. And then we also do a presentation on learning theory. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the, the main quadrant that we focus yeah. on, of course, positive yeah. reinforcement and what that is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really wonderful to and we give the guys assignments each week mostly i do <laughs> we play good cop bad cop yeah. a lot <laughs> um and so the, every week you know they need to look up in a book or find something on you know some facet of dog training that we'll be using somewhere or within the 12 weeks a lot of times they'll say you know read something that 
maybe is a light bulb moment for you or you know, find something in one of those books that you disagree with and bring it next week and we'll right. talk about it. We've been fortunate when the program first started. We Thanks to all any dog out, friends out there who may have contributed books to our library. We sent out questions that you know, asks for all of our training friends. If you've got extra books in your library that you're not using any longer, please we'll be accept those donations. So they've got a pretty decent library of uh, dog training books and uh, DVDs. They do have a, a DVD player and TV in their dorm that they have access to. But as you mentioned, they don't have access to the Internet yeah. for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's uh it's interesting. I mean, some of the times, some of those guys don't know how to read. Um, we had one detainee come up and said, I really wanted to do the program, but I don't read so well. Mm -hmm. um, so and we said, fine, pop in one of those DVDs and yeah. find something in there that you agree or disagree yeah. with or have a question about yeah. Yeah. And, and bring it back to class next week. In response to Sally's question, you know, figuring the inmates been very frustrated with the dog, with the issues. And we have had a couple of dogs, Sally, in our program that we didn't turn, we didn't send back. And the dog really never participated in class. The, the detainee might have needed to stay way on the other side of the yard and sit and just be with the dog in the yeah. environment. And we just worked on educating that detainee relative to meeting the dog where they are, just like meeting a person where they are and giving them the time and space that they need to hopefully gain some some confidence and comfort yeah. in that particular situation. You know, and it's interesting you say that because some of the detainees who changed the most had the dogs that did the least. The, the dogs that were sort of shut down that they had to really comfort and be yeah. patient with, they learned the patience part of it. Um, and even though their dog didn't do all the tricks and behaviors at the end of the session, they were better for having worked with that dog. And there's been a couple of times when we've had detainees switch dogs mm -hmm. because yeah. one guy's demeanor was more appropriate, appropriate yeah. for the different yeah. dogs. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So how often do you go in? Is it, do you sort of go in once a week and do a lesson? Once a week. We just go once a week. Yeah. yeah. And it's a 12-week program. The 12-week program, and when COVID hit, we were about mid-program, so we went to virtual training. We finished up that program virtually and then took a hiatus. We started back again. Uh, some, I don't know. I don't know when we started back again, but we had to stop because of COVID again, right. and now everything is clean. I mean, there's... Everything is cool. We've got a start date for later this month. And, and we're vaccinated. We're vaccinated. So, so <laughs> excellent. Going. Has anybody, have any of the prisons in the Georgia system reached out to you and said, we've heard about this, the great work you're doing. Can we find a way to expand it into ours? Have you had any referrals like that? We have not, though. Well, Diane has. The, well, Diane has. The superintendent, yeah. Ms. Hassett, she's spoken to other facilities in the state. Um, there are some others. There's a down in South Georgia. I think there's one prison that's doing puppy raising for right. a service dog organization. Right. Uh, just, there's, there's a horse program in Arendale. There's state a prison. horse rescue yeah. program down in, in middle Georgia. And we've been we've been very fortunate twice within the last nine years um, once we won the Volunteer Year of the Ward with the Georgia Department of Corrections, and then um, a couple of years ago, the Partner uh, Award of the Year. So people at that 
presentation ceremony learned about mm -hmm. you know our program and what yeah. we were doing yeah. all right so let me ask you if somebody wants to start a prison program given what you've learned over the years what what how would you suggest they get going and what do they need to pay the first the first attention to the first thing i would do is research the facilities in your area right and go deep relative to the facility the 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 superintendent of the facility you'll be able to find information about that facility online somewhere and try to determine the mindset of that facility or facilities mm -hmm. and then decide which one of those based on your research might be the best one to approach who might be more open to saying yes to uh, a program right. a dog training and and possibly program. even partner or find your shelter or partner with a, a rescue or shelter who could supply the dogs right uh, and get sort of that part of the puzzle put together uh, yeah. while you're researching the facility and finding out who yeah. to talk to yeah. you may need to start at the state level at the state department of corrections and see if they have any similar programs in the state and you know sort of go from there right. the other thing i think would be important would be to do research on other jail dog programs such as ours and have the the hard numbers here's what they do here are the numbers this is the savings to the state this is how they've been beneficial this is the recidivism the drop in recidivism yeah. rate yeah. have those numbers as proof that these programs make a difference in the lives of uh, the men, the dogs, and the pocketbook of that facility. Yeah. If, if somebody was to go directly to a prison, um, and I do think it's a really good idea in terms of the rescue group, because sometimes rescue groups, if they're a county rescue, can tap into resources at a county level or a state level that often as individuals we don't have access to. You know, they can sort of bypass hierarchy, levels of hierarchy. If somebody was to go, <clears throat> excuse me, straight to a prison, who would you suggest they reach out to that, the I would, they'll be, it'll be called a different, it'll be a different title in every right. facility, either the communications manager or the publicity okay. manager, somebody who handles communications for that facility. Right. Okay. Um, I think that will be your best bet. Right. Okay. And of course, the, the warden or superintendent is going to be, you know, the highest rung yeah. in that given facility. But yeah, I think as I Lisa would, mentioned, there's probably a communications down. department. Yeah or an admin of that person. Because that person is responsible for talking to the community, for championing the facility and the community and wanting to have goodwill right. in right. that community. And that person is gonna be probably willing to talk with you and more than likely also willing to give you um, an insight to the mindset of, of the yeah. management. Quite, or, well, um, I would say with most certainty that every prison detention center jail uh, already has volunteers in place, whether they're chaplains or yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. If you can find that person, that would be a good way to get yourself yeah, in yeah. and find the right people to talk to. So here's the multi-million dollar question. This is the really important question. This is the very important question. Does Callie get to go with you? Oh yeah, and Cody, oh, Kaylee and Cody, and Cody both go. Oh, Cody goes too. Okay, good. Just like, just yeah. like a beginning basic manners class, we'll take yeah. them as demo yeah. dogs to okay. to show. Kaylee, when she was a puppy, I think she was ten weeks old when she went the first time to jail. Yeah. Uh, so have, it was great socialization yeah. for the puppy. Well, and I don't know. I, I don't. Not many people know this. Um, I'll be sharing a little bit of information about it in the International Dog Behavior Conference. But Kay, 
Kaylee had separation related issues early on. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't leave her at home when we were going to jail. So the front office staff took care of her (laughs) and very well. They took care of her very well while we were teaching. And so she literally grew up in the facility. She is pulling on the leash to like, oh my God, we're let me, let me in let me in yeah and then we take we take them back we take them back when we do um the nose work session so we do right. a nose work demo and then yeah. we do yeah. bo- uh, search uh, box searches with the dogs yeah. and then another thing that we've been able to do which the detainees love is we've held a mock nose work trial at the facility Right, And so we hope to be doing that again. Jenny Schneider is a good friend of mine and a certified nose work instructor. So we're hoping that we'll be able to do that sometime. That's a great great environment to do. uh, It's awesome. And the detainees love it and love watching and and helping. Some of the detainees are there because of dogs that had good noses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember one detainee in particular said, that he, I mean, he got arrested when he was trying, running, of course, and trying to evade an officer, a canine officer. And he was hiding, is it a pet store or somewhere with the, the kitty litter? The, he figured that would hide his scent. See, it was hide his scent. <laughs> it's like, uh, au contraire. No. Yeah, well, that's, not, that's not working. Um, Sammy has a good question. She says, for the nose work, did you bring the supplies in, the scents in the boxes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with the, with the detainee dogs, um, the program dogs, we use food Just in boxes. Just food in boxes. But right. we bring odor in. Uh, our, we bring odor yeah. in. And again, what can we bring in? You mentioned early on, you know, obviously no cell phones can come in. Uh, we're only, we have an ID card that we can leave uh, and our car keys stay at the front desk. Um, in the beginning, it was hard for us to get clickers approved because if you look at the metal tab inside of a box clicker, you could pla- you know, yeah. break the plastic and have yeah. a potential weapon. Yeah. Um, those finally got allowed in. We were speaking with another trainer up in New York mm-hmm. and the uh, prison she worked in uh, did not allow any metal to come in. So they, had, they could only use rope slip leads. They couldn't even have a metal clasp on a leash or collar wow so every facility is going to be different as to what you're allowed to bring in well the prison we used to go in we had to have we used to have all the boxes of treats delivered through their um delivery area because everything had to be inspected and assigned before it could then be issued out to the um the detainees so i mean we couldn't even walk in with you know bags of Zooks or whatever it was. Yeah, we we can we can, but they're inspected. I mean, yeah. we have to go to security. You know, just yeah. like everybody else has to go through security, and they inspect our our bags yeah. to make sure that we're. Oh, yeah. I mean, little okay. things like a, a pin with a you know spring. Those aren't yeah. those aren't allowed because oh, the spring the, yeah. the spring inside can be used to right. Some I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so. fascinating, isn't it? I and mean, I was surprised that we couldn't even video. We wanted to video inmates so that we could then um, have them watch back afterwards to look at what they were doing, and we weren't allowed to even video. There was just nothing. The, we watch. were in the beginning, but then they stopped that. Um, yeah. There is a Facebook page that's called Rescued Group. Uh, rescued Program. Res- rescued Program, thank you. And the uh, superintendent or her aide will come and take photographs during the training, and, and, and we'll post those pictures yeah. on their Facebook page, but the detainees have to sign off on a release. You know, yeah. release. But some, and some of them prefer not to have their photos taken. So we yeah. honor that of course, or the facility honors that. Yeah. Yeah. 
interesting. But then we also have, we, um, the facility has a rescued alumni program for those who have graduated from the program. It's a fa private Facebook group to continue to support right. their rehabilitation, which is really nice. And we've, you know, we've gone to visit former detainees at, at their new places of employment and we stay right. in touch on Facebook. And it's wonderful to see the guys find a healthy, vibrant right. life again. Right. And be functioning members of society. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Okay. So what else are you guys up to then? Well, what else are you working on? Yeah, well, we well our website's getting a whole redesigned. Yeah, we're in the middle so. of it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I've been three months. It's taken. Oh my god! Oh, it's, it always takes longer, yeah. you know, than it than it should. Well, you know, personally, but I've you know I've been slow writing content, so mm -hmm. um, you know it's yeah. it's like a house build. You're building a new house. You think you can do it in three months? It's going to yeah. take six. You know, yeah, you think you can do a website refresh in a month or two? It's like ah, yeah. double or triple that. Yeah, we're still both of us busy with Victoria Stillwell Academy as faculty advisors and yep. faculty uh, there. Yeah, uh, so that keeps that keeps us busy. I'm working on a, a separation anxiety presentation for the International Dog Behavior Conference in October, uh, April, April, April fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. So you're still working with Melena, yeah? Um, still, yes, yeah. work with Melena. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and Absolutely. you as do. There are four four of us at Cold Nose College: Tiffany Lovell, right. Rachel Thornton, yeah. Jenna. Um, our newest trainer, who we haven't even announced yet, Jenna right. Powell, right. Are, we're all certified separation anxiety right, trainers. Yeah. So that's become right. our our specialty, if you will. Right. And we all love it. Yeah. Did your interest for that come with, with the problem with Kelly or were you just interested in anyway? Was that? No, I, I was one of the first five trainers to go through Melinda's program in 2015. Tiffany and I were. Yeah. Okay. And so, yes, yeah, so when, when Kaylee started showing some separation related behaviors. I was actually teaching, co-instructing the program with Melinda at the time right. and Brad, you know, professional dog yeah. trainer husband, hanging out with a puppy in the living room, keeping her busy. She did not want anything to do with him. She was at the gate crying for me. It's like, oh, this yeah. is not. That happens to me all the time. Um, <laughs> it was really with her. I think it was, um, some normal puppy separation related mm -hmm. behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. It's not normal to take a puppy from a litter right. at eight weeks, right? right? It's, right. It, it's done. It's part of life, but yeah. it's not normal in yeah. canine development. And also her anxiety was exacerbated by Cody's consternation about her. He was not happy to have her in our home. So every room was gated. There was confinement everywhere that yeah. she was in. And yeah. so by the time we started working through the protocol and started opening up freedom to the house and the relationship between Cody and Kaylee um, became better, you know, she moved really well. But I didn't do the protocol myself. I hired a CSAP colleague of mine and said, would you hate take my case? Yeah. It was the well, best thing yeah. I ever did. Well, absolutely. Because I mean, you know, and I'll give you an example because, you know, you and I both got puppies at a similar time. I, I mean, I hadn't planned to get Doogie. I, I, I don't think you had I hadn't planned to get Kelly. Right. And I got Doogie when I had a cast on my leg, having had foot surgery, which was completely the wrong time because I could barely walk, let alone chase a bloody Aussie puppy around the house. We had a 11 year old Jack Russell Chihuahua mix dog that had only ever lived with one other dog, was a rescue who hates all other dogs and basically is a bit weird outside our environment. And she just said, this puppy's not coming in my house. Thank you very much. Even though she's already 20 pounds heavier than me. 
And we were, I mean, literally, Doogie had all off-leash time outside the house, but in the house was always in an ex-pen or on a leash. It was massively managed. Um, and in the end, I actually went to see Dr. JD, Sarah Diaz. Um, and I said, look, I'm just not getting the breakthrough I need. And she basically said, everything you're doing is correct. Try this. And it was like, whoa, bum. And I said to Rick, I said, and Rick said, why do we have to go see Dr. JD? I said, because I'm not being objective any longer. I'm so, so attached to this dog and this other dog. Um, and it was really worthwhile doing the appointment. Absolutely worthwhile. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting and it, it makes total sense that you know, so many times trainers say, well, I'm a dog trainer. I should be able to handle this. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah. And it's true. Yeah. Um, but I think of other professionals out there. Yeah. Um, professional golfers have a coach. Yes. Right. Uh, professional yeah. baseball players go to spring training every yes. every. Yes. And attorney doesn't handle his own case. Yeah. Her own yeah. case. Yeah. So it's okay yeah. for a professional to hire another professional yeah. in the same trade. I mean, I went and sat, and it was Angelica Steinker, um, Dr. JD, who is a behaviorist, and um, she works out of Angelica's school. Mm -hmm. and I kept saying to Andy, I said, you know, I've got to go see Dr. JD. I, I need to chat with her. I'm just, it's, it's just, it's just not jiving. Something's just not falling into place. And uh, Angelica said, sure, sure. So I scheduled an appointment, and I said to Rick, you'll have to come with me. Um, and we took Gizmo, the little dog with us, who's Rick's dog. And he said, I don't know why we're doing this. And I said, because we need an objective eye. Um, <laughs> And after about 15 minutes of sitting in this meeting with Dr. JD, she, she looks at me and she goes, what about, and I just went, oh my God, so freaking obvious. Oh, it's so, it's so true. I mean, I, I, and that you know, I advise any professional yeah. trainer to seek yeah. professional help yeah. when they're having training yeah. challenges with their own dog. It doesn't have to be a behavior yeah. challenge. It can be yeah. a training challenge. Sometimes well, we are just too close to yeah. it. Well, the big problem for me is that Doogie would come in the room and Gizmo would growl and Doogie would just go, ah, shut up, and just bounce straight all over her. And it, and so Gizmo's communication was not being listened to. This puppy who was now at four months of age was just going, ah, shut up. I'm fine. We're fine. Um, so Dr. JJ said to me, she goes, Nikki, I said, I think Doogie needs to learn a lesson in how to speak dog. I think what you need to do when you guys are sitting on the couch with Gizmo at night and Doogie runs towards Gizmo and Gizmo growls, you need to transfer stimulus control from the growl to a sit so that the growl actually becomes a sit cue. So that took about two sessions to figure that out. And so Doogie would come charging into the room and Gizmo would go and Doogie would sit. And Gizmo went, ah, you're finally listening. <laughs> and and literally within two weeks rick and i were sitting on the sofa one night and doogie came around us and gizmo went her. and gizmo's you know nine pounds and doogie sat and gizmo stood up and i went and rick said what do we do i said nothing just sit still sit still and gizmo play bowed and jumped off the sofa and that was the end of that and from that day forth and i sat there with tears running down my yes. face I was in tears, and Rick's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm so effing happy, you won't believe it. I'm happy, I'm crying my eyes out, because finally we had this breakthrough, all because of that one piece of the puzzle, that Gizmo's communication was not being listened to, Doogie was abusing the fact that she weighed 20 pounds more, and would just roll straight over her, and that was the end of that. Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, if I'd have been going into a consultation, I probably would have said, mm, hang on a minute. But, but we don't do that. We're not objective. We don't. We don't. Yep. We don't. Yeah. The other thing it did for me, being a separation anxiety client with a CSAT driving the bus, is I got to feel I got to feel the lifeline, the daily lifeline from that trainer, the support, mm -hmm. the empathy, 
the 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 emotional hand holding because I was grief stricken having just lost yeah. Willow. Haley came home way yeah. too soon. Yeah. And and then all I had to do, I mean, I knew if I once I implemented the behavior plan for that day, all I had to do the next morning was wake up, look at my spreadsheet, see what Mm -hmm. um, what would have been created for me by Casey McGee, amazing separation anxiety trainer, and find 20, 30 minutes of my day to implement that. Yeah. Give her notes, leave it behind. It would be yeah. ready for me the next day. Yeah. It was such a blessing yeah. to understand the high level of service that she was giving me that I take for granted that I oftentimes yeah. give my clients. Uh, we just, yeah. we do it because we love what we do, but I felt such gratitude for well it's, uh, and it's having it's it's having um you don't feel on your own you feel like you're a team member mm -hmm. so you've, you, mm -hmm. there's, there's, you've got your peeps and they're looking out for you yeah. and they're going to help yeah. get you through this and you're not on your own and you know it doesn't matter how smart you are i can see a different i can see stuff from a different construct yeah it's really important absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and i think it's also some part of the equation that some of us or some dog trainers don't do because they're so pro the animal but the human needs that support too. They are more often than not when we're working with behavior cases, we're expecting clients to make significant changes in their own behavior and their environment and their habits. That is really hard work for people. It it's is. So, so yes, working with another trainer on your own dog's issues, you get, you have a lot more empathy for yeah. sure. Yeah. And empathy is something we need a lot. You right. know, yeah. We, in this world in general, but all dog trainers in general. And it's interesting. I, I think one of the things that I've learned over the last five years, since becoming an adult in the last five years, is <laughs> there's absolutely, you, it's actually a sign of maturity to be able to say, hey, I need help, can somebody help? And to look at the, the things you're having a problem with and saying, okay, who can I get on my side? I need someone who's going to help me work on this. You know, it's not a weakness to put your hand in the air and say, I'm stuck, I'm, I'm not sure, I need help, I need guidance, I need support. That's a very much a sign of strength. And I think, um, and in our industry with sort of, and I, say, I use the word compassion fatigue, I'm not really very sure what that means, but I think it's a word that's sort of banded around a lot without, I think it's like separation anxiety, a lot of people use it, not really yeah. understand what it means. Um, but I think, I think we need to be more supportive of each other collectively, given the sort of the, the emotionality of what we, we all do. have the same mission. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yes, is that, you know, yeah. creating, enhancing relationships between people and dogs, yeah. you know, in with humane training and education. It just doesn't get any better than that. And thank you for, you know, spearheading Pet Professional Guild and all the people who are members. Um, it's, it's, we're changing lives, you know, one dog and one person at a time. I know. And, yeah, I was talking to Vicky yesterday, actually, and, and I, you know, I said to her, I said, I'll event. Because there's very few people that I can vent to, you know. I mean, sometimes you just want to vent with somebody that, because, you know, you can't go out on Facebook and vent. And, you know, I mean, I get down sometimes and I think, oh, my God, we take 10 steps forwards, we go nine back. And then you see this new Netflix TV series has come up and you go, oh, my God, are we, are we winning here? Are we achieving? Um, and we are. I mean, we are. But it's happening slowly. And, but again, it's about shaping, isn't it? I mean, we're shaping our industry we can't force these changes down people. We can't, nope. you know, getting on Facebook and arguing with people about quadrants and semantics and the verses. We can educate. We have to always be on an educational platform, but calling somebody a jerk or a dick or whatever the terminology you might want to use, it's not working. 
It's just no. not, it's not working. Stop it because it does also it's a reflection on us as professionals. Um, and don't get, and you know, more than anybody, I'm the first person to stand up and say, we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing that. Um, somebody emailed me today about a webinar that they're doing and said, is it okay if I mm -hmm. criticize this? And I said, hey, as part of science, as part of education, we can always criticize method. We can always speak to method and process, but we can't do is um, annihilate people's personality. We, we just can't do that. It's not professional. It, you know, it's just not something we should be doing. Um, and no, it's, I mean, it's that lead by example, you know, you just really, really do need to yeah. lead by example and, yeah. and let, yeah. let your, your training techniques, it's pretty much the way we started this conversation, Nikki, you know, let your, let training, your training techniques speak for themselves, speak for themselves. Yeah. You know, it's Sally just, amazing. Sally just posted here that she gets more and more clients asking questions about dog training methods. And yesterday I got a bit, um, a dog training sign up from a lady in Tampa and I called her back and said, look, I'm really sorry, but I've actually relocated, but I will find you a trainer. So I immediately forwarded it on to Angelica and said, hey, there's a client here. If you can take this, fine. If not, bounce it back and I'll find somebody else who can. When I called the trainer, I said, look, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm no longer available in your area, but I will certainly work with you to find a professional for you. And she said, I don't want anyone that uses nasty tools. And I just went, oh, my God, you would never have heard that. Even five years ago, you would No, it gives me cold chills in a good way. Yeah, I mean, this is somebody that is actually seeking out a trainer that is going to use positive reinforcement. And that, for me, I put the phone down and went, we are winning. We're not winning all the wars, but we're going to win the battle. It's it's a long road and we'll get there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've received more and more calls like that as well. People people are 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 already mm -hmm. educated or somewhat educated knowing the type yeah. of techniques that need to be used. Yeah. So yeah. And, yes. and you know, I mean kudos to everybody because sometimes I sort of cruise through our PPG directory and look at where people are and I think, you know, People always say, thank you, Nikki. And I always say, and I generally mean this from my heart, that there are so many volunteers at PPG. I mean, I happen to be the face, which I would much rather not be. I'd be quite happy to sit in my house and not have my face anywhere. Um, but there are so many people who work behind the scenes at PPG. But more importantly, it's the membership, because the membership are the people that are out there at the rock face, showing, doing, explaining, educating. And that's what's going to change culture. Not Without a doubt. And that. that's one of the things we love. You know, I'm not taking many dog clients anymore. Mm -hmm. Really, my focus is on the other Coldness College trainers mm -hmm. and uh, Victoria Civil Academy. But every single person, every young person and career changers, mm -hmm. every student that we teach mm -hmm. who graduates from the academy is going to go on to touch hundreds and hundreds yeah. of clients and their dogs. Yeah, that was it, you know, for, for me. Yeah, I don't see clients one-to-one -one, uh, as I once did. But if I see a student mm -hmm. and see that student through, then that student's, like Lisa said, it's just going to ripple. It's going to keep going. And that, that, for me, was the motivation behind Dogsmith and also PPG, that if I have, you know, nine hours, ten hours a day to work, where do I get the biggest bang for my buck? Well, the biggest bang for my buck is trying to support and help really competent, professional, ethical, humane, science-based trainers because they can impact thousands of people. Me on my own, I'm lucky if I can hit four or five a day. So for me, that's that's where the bang for your buck comes from. Which yes, is, that's, which what, is why, that's why we love what we love doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, all of you out there who are doing this work. Thank you for what you're doing. And if you get a chance to volunteer for a, a jail program, take it. 
Well, it's it's like it's life changing. And if you're ever in ever want to be drive to North Carolina or happen Mm -hmm. to be here, the public is invited to our graduation. Or if you're in this area, stop in for a training training session. session. We've had trainers do that uh, with us previously. And the facility is open to that. We're open to that. We'd love to have you visit us. And um, we happy to share information anytime with you relative to the program. Perfect. So in closing, I'm just going to have you just let tell everybody how to get hold of you. How can they reach out to you? Well, thank you. Um, coldnosecollege.com. So um, our trainers work with common behavior issues, serious behavior issues, separation related issues, and we coach and count counsel um, and mentor aspiring trainers. And we provide behavior case support for more experienced trainers. Excellent. All right. So either one of us, uh, is, it would be Brad, Brad at coldnosecollege.com or Lisa at coldnosecollege.com. Of course, you can find Coldnose College on Facebook. Um, and thank you for no, having us. It's been a wonderful been hour. Fun. The last time I actually spoke with you, we were in England. So <laughs> Victoria's oh, conference right. four years ago, three years ago. Well, I I've actually never seen you two together before. I've seen you both individually. <laughs> Here we are. No. <laughs> Well, it's always a pleasure. You're two of my favorite people. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You do so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Have a great Friday evening. Yay! Thank you, everybody. Thank Thank you all for joining us. And we'll uh, see you soon. Bye. See you next time around. Remember, visit the Pet Professional Guild if you're looking for competent, ethical pet professionals dog trainers, dog behaviour consultants. And if you're a professional, why not join us? Stand up for what you believe in. Say no to shock, prong, choke, pain, force and fear. www.petprofessionalguild.com